All right, how's everyone doing today? Good. That well, huh? All right. All right, welcome. Welcome to Faith City Church. If you haven't been here before, if you're a new person here, don't worry, you got it. You don't got to raise your hand or anything. We know who you are because we haven't seen you before. So uh, don't be, and we just want to let you know that we, we say church is not like family, but church is family. And, and we really believe that we are, we are here to connect with you and connect with your life. And if you feel that way, there's a connection table outside. Come see me or Melanie who was singing and sign up to, for us to just, just be able to have conversation with you after that. And so we have these little things called discovery groups where we have men meet and women meet and we discover Jesus together. And so I know I came on the tail end of my wife's having the, the women's group and it was, they were really excited. And so I got even excited. So I'm excited to see that we are having groups that are meeting today. And uh, if you're here for your first time, we just, we just want to let you know we love you. Uh, and we truly mean that. And we want, we want, we want to connect with you. We want to truly connect with you. And so that's one of the things that we really think uh, we're good at. Uh, so my name is Pastor Carl. I happen to be uh, the lead pastor of Faith City Church. Uh, today, we're going to be moving into like this message that's been burning on my heart for the past couple of weeks. I believe it's a, a message that can transform. I've had a lot of uh, messages in, in my life that have empowered me, but this message has been a message that continually to transform my heart and transform my life. And I think we can, we can get into that today. And I know that, that God wants to do something special for you today. That's why you came to church. You're looking for God to do something in your life. If you walk out of here and say, I don't know what God's about to do, and I'm not saying it's your fault, but I am praying that you don't walk out of here improved. I don't want you to walk out of here improved. I want you to walk out of here transformed. That's the goal today. That's my goal today is to, to see what God has for us in his scripture so that you can walk out of here transformed. So today we're talking about being yielded. Listen, I've never stopped at yield signs. I think it means go faster. <laughs> when I see a yield sign, I don't stop and be like, who's coming? I'll be like, oh, they better watch out for me because I'm going to keep merging in to this lane. I don't, I don't do yield it well. I don't do yield it well. Like they be like, oh, Carl, uh, slow up, go 90%. I'm like, I'll go 110% and see what happens. You know, I, I always go all in or I don't do nothing at all. You know, so that's kind of like how I live. That's how, that's how I operate. But God says, don't operate like that. Like there's a different kind of yielded that we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be in Romans uh, 1.8. And the big idea is that there is freedom. There is freedom. Sin can no longer condemn you because of Jesus Christ. Listen, there's not, one of the things that I know is that guilt and our problems, we feel condemned all the time. We're always, listen, we're, we're an apologizing culture. Remember, we, before we ask for permission, we'd rather say sorry. You know, we are apologizing all the time. But in the, when we're talking about our relationship with Jesus, we don't have to apologize for sin. Because he's saying you have freedom. You have freedom. Don't let it condemn you. 
I remember, I remember growing up in church and growing up in, in different, in different religions and seeing that when I did something wrong, I had like this fear that something bad was going to happen to me. Like, I don't know about you. I got lots of whoopings growing up. I think my mom got like supernatural strength from God, the, the way she whooped me. And I remember, like, I remember fearing, like I had tactics. I had really good tactics when, when I did something wrong and I know, I mean, I did real wrong stuff. I didn't do like kid stuff, like drawn on a, drawn on a wall. I did real wrong stuff. Like he should be in juvie wrong stuff. And my mom was like, all right, you lucky. You just getting a whooping stuff. Yeah. I was a bad kid. She never called me bad either. She would say, there's no such thing as a bad kid. They're just mischievous, but mischievous is bad. <laughs> so she, she wouldn't even say the word bad. So I just remember that in, in that moment. So I remember there, there being times where I know that if I fell asleep, my mom ain't going to wake me up and whoop me. She's not going to wake me up and whoop me. She, she's so graceful. She's going to let me continue to sleep. But when I wake up in the morning, I didn't know there was going to be a whooping waiting for me for breakfast. <laughs> so she never forgot. But I, I just know that that as we are talking about this Sunday, if you're not from church or you don't know anything about church, this is the day, like in the church calendar year, the church was burst. Like there was a moment that that God said, hey, I'm going to start this thing and I'm going to make sure that it becomes a movement. And today we just celebrate that. Uh, Peter spoke on a, the, the porch of Solomon. Did you know Peter? He did some bad things. He did some bad things. He denied Jesus. We're always talking about how we talk about don't deny Jesus. We have one person who denied Jesus. Jesus forgave him because he rose up from the cross and he used them. I mean, it's such a powerful instance to understand this. Like Peter made a lot of mistakes and it shows it in the Bible. Because on the, we want to know today is important. Because think about this. This day that we celebrate is a day that somebody celebrated 2,000 years ago. And then the year after that. And then the year after that. And we call those traditions. And what, what today is that one powerful thing about this tradition is that it brings a transformation into our heart. Like, I know sometimes I don't always like Christmas. I'm going to just be real. I like fake trees on Christmas sometimes, but sometimes I want a real tree. I want all the trimmings. I want everything. I don't want ham or turkey. I want roast on Christmas. It's all kind of things, but, but there's traditions that we have in our life that keep us moving forward. But this is not traditions that transform us. Like we just do things sometimes because we, our parents did them. We just do things sometimes because we saw somebody else do them. And uh, my wife was looking at me because I always argue with her about getting a real Christmas tree. But my, uh, we grew up, we only, we had a real Christmas tree until I turned like 20. And my mom thought it was like white Christmas everywhere. So we had to get white thistles everywhere. And so I remember, I remember just knowing like traditions were always kept. So can you think about a day when people from all walks of life came to know Jesus? Not just people who, who looked alike or talked alike or spoke alike, but all kind of walks, like rich and, and poor and, and broke and, and lame and, and blind and, and, and all walks of life. People came to know Jesus. And he sparked controversy in this. It was controversial for all these people 
to come to know him. And I think today, as we talk about being yielded, we have to remember that this is when this day happened, everyone believed in Jesus. Not just a few of us, everyone. And I believe today that people are shocked because of its longevity. And today we have a worldwide movement we call church that impacts people every day. The past few weeks, we've been talking about spiritual warfare. We've been talking about the first thing we talked about is how we're going to get this victory from God. How we're going to these things that keep happening to our lives, these things that are, are surrounding us, how we're going to get our soul right. How are we going to get our soul right in the midst of this? And then we started talking about how we need to change the way that we think. Uh, how we need to change. We got all these things happening in our life and all around. And God's trying to speak to us, but, but we are not yielded to it. We're just feeding our flesh. We're feeding our flesh with envy and division. And we, and we keep getting depressed and depressed in our soul. Not just our life, but our soul just keeping more and more depressed. And then God says, there's a way, like, make Jesus your all in all. Like, stop thinking that you're going to get your, your all from over here or your all from over there. Stop and say, hey, I'm going to do this one thing. I'm going to make Jesus the foundation of my life. And once you make the Jesus the foundation of life, then you got like this opportunity to let the spirit lead you. Like when I was in Bible college, we had these hippies that would come and teach us about evangelism. And they were like, you got to put Jesus in the, in the bus, Carl. I'm like, I don't have no bus. He's got to drive the bus. You know, he's got to drive the bus of your life. I mean, people use these metaphors about what happens when we have the Holy Spirit move. Like, they, they talk to us about these things. And we're going to hear this word a lot around if you come to the Faith City Church. You heard it this morning. Melody said that we be yielded to the Holy Spirit. That means stop and don't go really fast. <laughs> Like, that means stop. Like, today we're going to see what yielded means to God. Like, to it means, you know, I love it. It means this. Just throw your hands up. Just throw your hands up and stop saying I can control it. Stop saying I can take care of it. Stop saying I have the power to do these things. So we're going to be in Romans 1.8. I love the first verse. It brings so much freedom. It says, there is, therefore, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ. Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of the sinful flesh and for the sin condemning sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but to according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But set the mind on the spirit is, is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The main point today that I, I really want to bring, there is no less condemnation. We, we, we do that to ourselves. We say, if I do this, I'll be less condemned. Paul is saying there is no condemnation. There is none. There is zip. 
Zuda, whatever way you want to live, there is nothing, there is nothing that can condemn you when you are in Christ Jesus. There is nothing. I don't care how hard you try it. Jesus says you're not condemned in this. And he says a new law is in effect, the law of the spirit of life. There's a problem. There's a law that we follow. Like if we know what the Old Testament, we know the Ten Commandments. These laws are laws that just guide us into a relationship. They don't, they don't give us life. They guide us into relationship. We never change. Our flesh never change if we say, all right, just because I don't steal, that, uh, okay, I didn't break that commandment, but we've all stolen something. <laughs> then it says, hey, if I don't lie, I don't lie that big, but we still lie. We say little lies. We still broke that commandment. We don't get any freedom from the, from the things that our flesh is like continually have us do. Like we always have a way. Like the, the law in our flesh is always leading us to death. Always. Like always. I'm going to just tell my life. Like when I was on the streets, I was always hustling and conniving and lying and stealing and thinking of ways that, that I could change change my circumstance if I just out-hustled somebody else, out-hustled somebody, and it was leading to death. I was putting myself in situations and circumstances, like literally somebody pulled a gun on me and the gun jammed. Literally, these are things that happened in my life, and it was like, oh my goodness, this is the law. This is the law. Like, it means it's going to lead to death. And I remember I became an alcoholic, and I remember, like, always breaking these laws, and I remember what happened. Like, as I was drinking, I knew that my life meant nothing. I knew as I kept drinking, like, every time I drank at the bottom of the bottle, I knew that there was no freedom, and I was caught in this addiction, and there was nothing that was going to happen. The law is always working toward death. It's always it has no it has no other course for our life. It's always working toward death. Because one, we're guilty. We don't have anything righteous in us to require for, for us to have freedom. That's why Jesus came. He made a righteous, a right standing in requirement for us. Like I don't know about you guys, but I love caught in providence. If you ever watch that TV show, you got this old judge who's always who's always advocating for the defendant. <laughs> like no matter what's happening, he sees somebody, and then he was like, then other people are sending in like money for tickets and all kind of stuff, and then he advocates for people for that reason. Like the law, the law doesn't operate like that. We know there's no way in the world you go to Minnesota courts that you're gonna find a lawyer that's gonna be like, all right. You did that speeding ticket? What was going on today? Oh, uh, I was speeding because I was late to work. And, and if I lose it, if I do this this third time, then I lose my job. And, and, I, and then, I, then I won't be able to have my rent. Then I, that's why I can't pay your ticket. And he was like, the providence, the judge of providence, he was like, oh, that's okay. All right, I'm going to help you out this time. No court fees. You're fine. You're free to go. Like, this is his, like, mode of operation. I've been to court, and they've been like, no bail. <laughs> They'd be like, no bail. I'd be like, oh, well, I don't have no money. Well, wait till you get some money, then you get bailed out. Like, they didn't care about any of that. I believe the spirit is working in this guy. And then the spirit is always working toward life. I remember, 
the first time like I really committed my life to Jesus, that I really turned over everything, and I really surrendered everything. I had this cognitive shift in my head that said I can be joyous. I had this cognitive shift in my heart that said, oh, I don't have to no longer be that person that everybody thinks I am. I'm made new, and I can have a life. See, the problem is, is that when we are, are caught between those two things, the spirit of, of, uh, of life and the spirit of death are always going on in our bodies. Our flesh is constantly trying to, trying to eat up everything, like feed these two monsters that are fighting against each other. And I just know the answer is when we live in the law of the spirit, we come under the triumph of Jesus who overcame sin and he condemned it. See, sin condemns us, but Jesus condemns sin. He says, I have victory over everything in your life. The devil wants to, wants to take your soul. No, he can't do that because I'm Jesus and I triumph over death and I'm eternal and I am over your sin and I condemn sin in your life. Sin has no place in your life. I condemn it. I mean, that's so powerful. For us to understand that Jesus, does not only does he want our lives, not only does he want to be in a relationship, not only want us to have victory, he says the way you can have victory in me is knowing that I triumph over all sin, not just the sins that you think about, not just the sins that, that are in your present, but some of the sins in your future, I've already, I've already condemned them for you because you're in me. So powerful to me. Listen, we're going to mess up. We're going to tell a lie again. But we can, we can have some power to change some of those things. Like I knew like what, a, like I knew. My landlord called me and said, hey, there's some garbage in the backyard. And he said, the people called next door and said, I said, no, they didn't. I said, you lying to me. I said in my head, I ain't call him a liar on the phone. And I said, I told my wife, I said, he's lying to me, Melanie. I know he's lying because they never called him. And, you know, sometimes we just do things like, why couldn't he just ask me? Why do you have to make up a whole story to condemn himself in that knowing that he didn't tell the truth? And he came by yesterday, couldn't even look me in the eye. Like, you know, these things are these things are happening. You know, when you when you break the law like that, when you when you break the law, it, it brings some condemnation. It brings it. In the law of the spirit of life, there is an action we take. When we believe that Jesus is victorious over all our sin, is an action that we take. We become yielded to the Holy Spirit. When do we taste the victory of like, man, God conquered that sin in my life. Then he conquered that sin in my life. Then he conquered that sin in my life. It kind of gets contagious. You want to taste more victory in this. So as you're being yielded to the spirit, it's like you got to, you're giving up everything. Listen, you're giving up everything. When your kids learn to like give one thing, they want to give everything away. But they change their mind in the next moment. But they still want to give things away. I remember we and Melly had some friends come in town. And Keegan was being a, a child. He was being, uh, he was being just very, very generous. And then he, he started to remember, oh, that's my stuff. 
So this is what he started. He started. He gave something away like five times and took it right back. And so as he was doing this, he was just giving it away. I was just thinking, he's just giving away everything. Who taught him that? Like, where does he learn, like, this giving away thing? Because I'm stingy. I don't share my food. He, I, I'm stingy. I, I'm for real. I'm just being real with you guys today. I'm, 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 I, I don't give everything away. But I want to be yielded. And when we want to be yielded to God, we got to give everything away. We just don't give the places in our life that, that's all messed up. We give them the places in our right that's right. We give them the in-between. Like, we don't just give it a when, it, when, it, when it's the worst day of our life, we want God to move. We want, when it's the best day of our life, we want God to move. And then when it's an okay day, when it's cloudy in our life, we should want God to move. He wants everything. We should yield to the Holy Spirit at all times. And it's one of the hardest things to do. But when you have, like, what we call a cognitive shift, or you get a transformation in your heart's and in your mind, you start to get hungry for those moments. You start to thirst after those moments. You'd be like, man, I really want you, God, to change my life right now. I'll do anything. I'll do anything if you could just transform this situation. Oh, I used to use them all the time. I call it get out of jail free cards. I'm like, God, if you do this, I'll change everything in my life. I don't care. And as soon as he does it, I'll be like, all right, I was just joking. I'm just playing. Psych. But he's like, this is no psych. Wait, wait, I'm going to come back. You're going to come back to this moment. You're going to come back and circle around. And you're going to be like, God, can you do it again? You did it this one time. Can you do it again? See, the law has, the law has right, but no might. Sin has right, but no might. But the spirit has both. Right and might. The spirit of God can have the right to move in your life and show you the power that it happens in. And I, I use them as like you got to feed one or the other. You got to either you're going to feed your flesh or you're going to feed your spirit. And you're going to find those things that feed your flesh. See, we have to we have to know that God is not pleased when we feed the, the man. He's pleased when we feed the soul. And the Bible even says, as we read in the last verse, it's impossible. It's impossible to please him if you're in your flesh. If you're, if you're this, this carnal person, if you have a carnal mind, if you're not changing the way you're thinking, and you're thinking, oh, God's going to do everything for me, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible. Like, I remember I used to be on the streets, and, and, I, and I remember I used to do street evangelism all the time, and I remember I came across this guy, clearly drug dealing, clearly. And I said, hey, man, how you doing? He said, blessed and highly favored. I said, oh, really? I said, how? He said, you know, man, I was just saying that. <laughs> you know, I don't know how. <laughs> how? Your flesh cannot please God to be blessed and highly favored. Only your spirit can. Only when the spirit comes in, it can bless God and favor can come into life. Like I love, I love that we need to starve something out. Something needs to starve. Something needs to go. Something needs to happen in our transformation. If today you're like, man, I want something to go. Something cannot have space in my heart, in my mind, in my life. It gotta go. 
I mean, I've been seeing a lot of memes. It's like, if that person's not on a plane yet, that means they ain't meant to fly with you. You know? If that person's not your elevator, then they're your hater. So they elevate you. You know, all these kind of things got to go. All these things got to go. You know, I think today, as we're thinking about what God's going to do in our life, what needs to leave? What thing are you feeding that needs to go? What thing are you feeding that's not making you yielded for God? What are you rushing through, through that yield sign when it's telling you to slow down or even stop? That you're not allowing God to do what he needs to do. And one of the things I know for a fact is that we feed our spirit by obedience. Every single time we say yes to him. Every single time we say yes. We talk about this a lot. Like how many of us say no to God? You don't have to raise your hand. I say it all the time. I say it all the time. I remember it. Like God will say something. I don't even got it, God. Why do you keep asking me to do that? I don't got it. I have no means to do it. And we in the church call this obedience faith. When you place your faith in God, and then you just start to trust him. And then you start to hear from the Holy Spirit say, move this way. Take this step. Take this one small step. Then take this second small step. And all of a sudden, you start pleasing God. And all of a sudden, you start seeing doors open, and we start you start seeing things change in your life. But then as soon, sometimes your flesh raises up and be like, all right, I don't got to take that step today. I already took it three days. I don't need to take this step today. I can take this break. God's going to be okay. But he can't be pleased because he's, he's pleased by the Spirit and the things you do in obedience. So you may say, all right, I'm taking this break. He may say, what happened? What happened? You're on the right track. The obedience to him doesn't stop. The obedience to him doesn't stop. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit compels us to obey the commandments of Jesus. To want to, to want to be in relationship with him. And when we do that, we put our trust in God. And that is stronger than the trust in the flesh. Listen, just from personal experience, you may not have experienced this. I remember working and doing everything I can to change my life. And it took me 21 years to realize only God could do that. Like, I did everything. Went to AA groups. I did everything. Said I was going to change. Did everything. Pleaded with people I was going to change. Did everything. But until I made him my foundation and my all in all, and I started this one step of obedience, I didn't see any light. I just kept seeing like things that weren't going to work. And then all of a sudden, God became, his spirit became stronger in me than it was before. And see, one of the things we have to understand that we're united in faith. And this is spiritual death that happens. Then we're raised up with Christ. And then we bask in the glory of freedom. Freedom means that we're not trapped in sin any longer. You know if you're trapped. Freedom means we're not trapped in sin. Freedom means we aren't condemned for sin, but we have a mediator who goes to God on our behalf. Freedom means that when you wake up in the morning, you don't fear what's going to happen to your life. You say, God, I give you everything. If, if freedom means that you're not lusting after things of this world. You're not, you're not living in pride. Freedom means that when you do something good, you're not expecting others to return it. Freedom means that when you, when somebody does something wrong to you, 
It's okay because God is on your side and he's going to give you victory. You trust him. More do you trust the revenge or the vengeance that you're going to get. See, freedom means that, that you're bound in the power of Jesus. Freedom means that we're bound in his power. That means that no matter what anybody does, he has a hope in the glory that's going to be residing in you. And what we say the definition of hope is, is hope is that we expect and anticipate God to move in our life. We expect and anticipate the glory of Jesus that comes by freedom to come into our life. And the yielding is working us toward that. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, it puts us in a place of freedom. It puts us in a place of not worrying about us. And then it puts us in a place where our life becomes abundant. Not in the things that we want in this world becomes abundant in waking up with a peace of mind. Waking up being clothed in the right mind. Waking up understanding what that means. That I'm not totally depressed. I'm not totally messed up. I'm not totally uh, de- degenerate. I'm not totally invalid. You know what? I am totally saved. I'm totally in freedom. God is moving mightily in my life. And today, if you know you're not in freedom, if you know, if you know with a shadow of a doubt, I don't wake up like that. If you know that you're not a shadow of a doubt, I want to pray for you. Join me in prayer. Join me in faith and trust. Join me in seeing victory in your life. The way that victory has its work is through the Holy Spirit. It's not about, it's not about reading a set of scriptures. It's about living a life that's rearranged for Jesus to move in it. See, victory doesn't come just one time. See, Jesus lives in victory every day. And he wants us to have victory every day in every part of our life, no matter who we are, where we come from, where we're at. It doesn't matter our circumstance. I don't know about you, but I love to wake up feeling free. I love to wake up not sitting next to the four other men in a cell. I love to know that I'm not trapped in addiction. I love to know that I'm not trapped, that I have no way out and there's nothing that can happen for my life. I love waking up knowing that I can give my all to Jesus and something's going to happen today. I know that if I desire it, he's going to move in my life. If I desire the things that he wants, I know that can happen. And I believe that can happen for you today. I know that there's a transformation that's ready to happen right around the corner. And I know some things are, are, are in the way. So I'm going to issue a challenge today. If you're here, what one thing can you consistently obey with the Holy Spirit and ask God to change what has changed, what has kept you from receiving freedom from Christ. There's something. There's something in all of our lives that's keeping us from being totally free. If we say we're totally free and we don't love one another, the Bible says then we're telling a lie. We need to say in our life what is keeping us from freedom. 
God, what is this thing that keeps, keeps pulling me back? That keeps destroying every decision and every circumstance and every situation in life. What is this thing that keeps messing with me? That keeps stopping me? In my story, I just remember, I used to call them ridiculous moments where I lost everything. Every single time. I lost family. I lost friends. I lost apartments. I lost money. I lost jobs. It was the same cycle. And I didn't know what I was doing. And the thing that I knew that wasn't working was me. (laughs) I wasn't working. And I remember I cried out to God and I said, God, why me? Why Carl? Why do I got to keep going through these things? Why does this have to be my life? And I just remember a couple years after I gave my life to Jesus, after I submitted totally to him, after things started to change, after my mind started to transform, I remember him saying, why not you? Do you think you're so special that, that life doesn't happen? I said, no. I don't, Lord. But can you, can you continue to help me not to live in that way again? Can my life transform? And today I know there's one thing I know there's consistently one thing that's happening in our lives. I know there's consistently one thing that continues to happen in our lives that keeps bringing us back to those points. And I know God today wants to transform those things. He wants you to remove those things, become obedient and yield it to the Holy Spirit. So you don't keep going back. So I'm going to pray. Join me in prayer. And if you want to talk after service, we'll be up there. Uh, we have some snacks, some, some food. We have all that kind of thing. We're going to celebrate what we call communion together as, as we're praying. And what that means is if we take this bread and we say, hey, I've been broken. And Jesus, I know I've been broken. I've been broken just like you. And Jesus, we take this cup and we say, Jesus, I'm going to take this cup too. Because I know that this cup meant that I would have redemption without you. And that if I drink this from this cup, redemption will be mine. And I can start living in victory. And we just know that when we do these things, we do it in observance of who Jesus is. The victory. Not just the death. Not just the sacrifice. But the victory he took over sin that wants to condemn us. So, Jesus, I thank you. Sometimes I don't get it right. Man, do I mess up. But you give out grace. God, I know I've had so many ridiculous moments. I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. You still showed up regardless of me. In spite of me. You showed up. Today, God, we're asking that you would show up in that same manner for my friends. That this thing that keeps them going back and forth, Lord God, this thing that keeps them swaying to and fro, God, this thing that's stopping them 
for seeing the yielding and saying yes to, to the Holy Spirit on a consistent basis, God, constantly being yielded into your to your law, the life of the Spirit, God. We ask you, God, that they will find that one. They will find that one thing. They will give it to Jesus so he can condemn it and that they can have victory over it. And then let it not stop there, God. Let them live in the freedom of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.